Hello everyone and welcome to Cold Outreach Success Stories where we interview regular business people just like you who have achieved consistent business results using cold outreach on email and other funnels. We go deep into their process with hot tips around personalization, messaging and targeting to make sure that you take away some good ideas to make your cold outreach successful. Today I have on board Nicola who's the founder and head of growth for Influencers Club and a senior growth engineer in Stana. Welcome to the podcast Nicola. Thank you. Glad to be here man. Right. So I first got interested in uh, Nicola's story after reading his insane blog post around sending 100k emails per day and growing an e-commerce store to 2.5 million dollars in ARR with that. So today is going to be a bit of a special episode because I'm really interested in deep diving into that and just understanding how this guy pulled off this insane stunt. So <laughs> So let's do it. Yeah, so begin like just give me a brief background on like what was the goal that the client came to you with or what was the goal behind the project. Yeah, so um look, we scrape Instagram we have a database of of like I think 75 million profiles now um with email addresses and other data points from Instagram um because while working in the B2B space and I have done that for the last 3 years, I figured like cold outreach is really common for B2B businesses but not that much for B2C. So with Instagram as a starting point, we tried to make cold outreach uh used by B2C businesses. And we started off 6 months ago and uh, a client came in that was selling bikinis, which is a huge, right? Like bikinis are something that every girl wears. Um so We started off with with 500,000 emails per week. What the best strategy is, and then once we were certain that okay, we are on the right path here, and then we can make, really make this profitable, then how can we scale it? Mm-hmm. And um, that's how the whole story started. So nobody even requested to send 100,000 emails per day. It just happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, gradually. it must be a same day to wake up one day and think that. okay i'll be sending 100k emails it's like yeah, yeah right it is pretty crazy so yeah before before we dive deep into the process i imagine this required a lot of infrastructure right so a lot of gmail accounts i imagine or whatever smtp server that you were using yep. um like warming them up making sure that they are you know uh, they're actually landing in the inbox so what was that process like what was the setup process like Look, um the only thing that got us there was the amazing reply rate that we aimed for. Mm. Uh because in my personal experience without having a lot of conversations in the emails that you're sending out emails with, uh then it's it's never going to happen. Like you will never reach a scale of sending 700 emails every day without people actually responding back to you and then you having conversation outside those emails that you send us. Mm-hmm. Um so That's how that's how we started. We we were very certain that our reply rate was, you know, already warming up our accounts way faster than what we've previously done. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how we were able to to kind of pull this thing off. Um so we started with a few again, we didn't aim for 100,000 emails per day. Um so we started off with a few Gmail accounts and once we figured like okay, this is working mm-hmm. and it's really ROI positive for the brand and how can we scale it? And the first thing that came to mind was like, you know, hey, let's make more juicier accounts mm-hmm. and then let's hire people that will be able to respond because you don't want to send links right like, and especially not when we just create the account 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the whole warm-up process that we've done and that we, were, we made sure that it works, we hired people, so made a lot of G Suite accounts, and then we hired, our terms of hiring is one person per 10 G Suite accounts. Mm. Then we hired people that, you know, while we were sending out a full scale, they were warming up other accounts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's how the whole thing started and progressed. Got it. So one, one point that I want to dive a bit deeper into is the reply rate. How did you know it was working? Like, what was the reply rate? Like, was it like 15%, 20%? 20. 20. 20. Okay. 20. The great thing about whole use case is that we are targeting uh, regular consumers, right? Like girls. Uh, because in the B2B space, I've never, I came close once, but I've never gotten a, a, a sequence of uh, more than a thousand emails with 20% reply rate. Like that has never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was great that we we're targeting regular consumers, especially uh, girls, right? That are uh, not in the, in the business sphere, mm-hmm. right? So it's for them, they don't get a lot of emails per day. So right. they, if an email picks their interest, they're likely to respond. Correct. Correct. So yeah. So that- once, sorry. Okay. I mean, I was going to say that, you know, um, we started off with, in emails that had like five, six percent reply rate, which was again in our minds was was amazing. Um, but then improving the strategy got us to to an email copy that had twenty percent reply rate. So what we did, did from there was just um, send that copy, uh, and then a really small percentage of the emails and and a small percentage of the emails that we are still sending out mm. are also testing some 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 new copies. So we never stopped testing really for for new messaging. Got it. I'll get into the testing part a bit later. But before that, let yep. me actually put some numbers just to sort of get some perspective on how insane this really is. So when you so you say that when you were at 100,000 emails per day, you had 150 G Suite accounts and you were sending around 700 per email account. And so you were ending up with something like 105K emails per day, right? Yep. Okay, that's insane. <laughs> so I imagine you sort of did the basics right, right? So the SPF, DKIM, and all that stuff, and the email warm up you you did with the VA, right? Um, so look, I've never handed off work to someone that I haven't done myself. Um, so yes, we did hire VAs, but we hired VAs once we were certain that this is working for us, mm-hmm. and we got to a phase where we can scale. So. Mm-hmm. Hiring a person that should do the job instead of you means that you already know how to do the job successfully, right? So when we hire people, we gave them a script, we gave them a strict schedule to follow, we equipped them with what to respond, how to respond, how to do the warm-up process, how to send out those emails, when to send them out, and so on. So everything was kind of handed on a silver plate, right? And then they just had to take it from there and then go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I see people making this mistake often. They think that I'm not able to figure out this SPF, DKIM stuff. I'm not a technical person. So I'll just hire a VA and they'll do that job for me. And it doesn't work that way. I've seen people get down on this because they did not know that the VA didn't didn't do the job right. They bought a list, sent out email campaigns, and it all landed in spam. And that's like of time, waste of money on the VA waste of money on the cold email automation software you bought. And it's it's such a you know sad thing to to happen. <laughs> if you just read a blog, you know, or or sort of like got a software that sort of automatically tracks if your you know uh, settings are not correct. It's simple these days. Yeah. 
Yeah, we had a lot of um, a lot of people. So, for example, we had problems with customers that um, saw the article and then figured, like, you know, hey, we can do the same thing with Amazon SES or Mailchimp, right? So their idea was let's just upload in one email addresses into into Mailchimp, and then they they're gonna worry about sending out, which of course doesn't work, right? So that's why you have to do the work yourself and then <laughs> figure out what to do. Why doesn't it work though? Is it because of the deliverability aspect? It doesn't go in the, uh, you know, for for SES and Mailchimp. Yeah. So those platforms are made uh, for leads that are opted in your marketing messages, right? Okay. So if you have friends at Mailchimp that allow you to upload a list of hundred thousand people mm. and then send emails to them, then fine, right? But um, those platforms, unlike platforms for, for sending out cold emails, their job is to send emails to subscribers and they really care about their IPs mm. and uh, their name service, everything, right? So they can't risk having a bad reputation. So if you now try to upload 10,000 contacts into MailChimp, they're going to say, okay, stop. And then let's figure out, you know, how, how did you get these people? What do you plan on doing with them? And, and you have to provide proof of those people opting in. Mm-hmm. Um, rather than um, just you uploading and for sending cold emails. Correct. Now that's that's the main difference between. So it's the difference of category, right? Right, because these yeah. uh, platforms like uh, you know a Mailshake come under sales engagement versus sort of Mailchimp comes under email marketing. They're completely different. Yep. Yep. Exactly. But people get exactly. confused often. It's it's a common point of confusion. Like why can't I use Mailchimp? Of course you can't. I need to prove that you opted in right you've got the yep yep exactly awesome awesome so you've set it up and yeah just want to sort of um, get your take on this one um domain warm-up right so a lot of tools are now coming out where they sort of have this Mm -hmm. warm-up process done automatically so what they do is they take a sample email automatically send it from your domain to a domain of another customer on a domain they own and they sort of warm it up that way. What's your take on that? Have you seen that working? I've used that with Lemlist, and I just found out yesterday that there's a company called, oh man, what is it called? Mailworm? Doesn't matter. Um, so in my opinion, it helps, mm-hmm. um, but you can't fully rely on that, right? Like I, I appreciate the feature, mm-hmm. but in my opinion, if you just let those platforms handle that themselves, for example, Lemlist sends one, I think, two, three emails per day, mm-hmm. which if you want to reach a scale of seven emails per day, one or two responses, it's not, right? Yeah. So um, if you're sending out a smaller scale, sure, it helps. Mm-hmm. But three emails per day out of 700, you know, it helps. So let's, let's, let's put it like that, right? But then once we reach full scale, for us, um, it was not really necessary. So that's why we switched from... Lemlist to GMAS, for example. Okay, that makes sense. And and with a 20% reply rate, you might have more emails coming in organically, right? From real customers. So yeah, yeah exactly. Customers. Exactly. But then you keep in mind that those emails get replies as well, right? From the VAs. Ah. So you are having a lot of conversations from one account. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so by that time, it's automatically warmed up. There's no need for... Yeah, yep. exactly. Cool. So yeah, let's dive deep into the copy stuff, the scheduling and all of the uh, A-B testing stuff. So what all did you A-B test? Like how did you get to this 20% reply rate? So here's, here's, here's how we do it. Um, 
and I'm not giving out any advices uh, in terms of like, hey, this is exactly how you should do it, but I'm just telling you my story, right? So what we like to test first is the schedule. So we create the same email, same, same subject, we test different schedules mm-hmm. to kind of figure out what's working better for the audience that we're sending this email to. And we keep in mind, so we're not sending emails from, uh, at one point from people all over the world. Mm-hmm. We're focusing on one geo at a time, right? For example, this next two weeks, we're going to send out email to, emails to North America. And then after that, is, it's Australia, then Europe, then Asia, right? So because you have to keep, be really mindful about the time zones. Um, so that's what we test first. After that is the email subject. And we have, again, we, we keep on testing. But at the beginning, we have three email subjects, same email copy. And then again, you know, we, we try to figure out which has a better open rate. Mm-hmm. And after the subject, the copy, and the copy is, again, you know, let's figure out which email bring, brings in uh, the most light rates. It doesn't matter for us, even, even, even if they're negative or positive. Mm. Uh, responses, we just take responses as a whole because mm. in my opinion, if you made a person respond to your email, then it, even if it's a no, mm. then it's, it's, it's better than just not getting a response. Mm. Um, so that's what we did at the beginning. And then if we send out, let's 10% of our, our emails are always testing something. So those 100,000, 90,000 use the same email copy, same schedule, um, Everything, right? And then we send out 90,000, but then he's always testing something new. Whether that's a, that's a new copy, that's a new subject, whatever it may be, figuring out whether that can bring us um, more results than the copy or subject. Right, that makes sense. And that sort of culture of continuous testing is necessary, I mean, even if you scale, because um, these things just keep changing and you never know like what flags the Gmail spam algorithms or what flags all of the stuff. Yep. It's, it's, um, yeah, there's a tool called Spam Assassin, mm-hmm. which monitors, it's an open source tool, I think from Apache, uh, that monitors all the email communications. I mean, it, it's encrypted, right? So it can't be your email, but it, it, it encrypts the message and then it figures out like, hey, if you're sending the same message over and over and over again, mm-hmm. that specific message will land into a spam folder. Okay. So, that doesn't mean, so people get confused a lot with, because it, it, it happened to us, right? Um, people get confused a lot with spam versus one specific email landing into a spam hole. So I haven't mentioned that in the blog post, unfortunately, because I just did that in like literally one night. I tried to you know, put, put the experience uh, out there. So I kind of forgot about a few things. Uh, I'll, I'll update it though. So it can happen that your specific email copy, if you're sending it out uh, thousands and thousands of times, will be into a, the, the spam folder, but just the, the wording of it, you can get out of the spam folder. Literally the same message, just different words. Mm-hmm. So that can get you out. Oh. That's, that's what happened to us on two occasions, but it was, it was an easy fix. Oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense because, some, because Gmail has enforced encryption, right? A lot of these tools and persons encryption. So when you just encrypt the message, it's not like they can read it. It's just a bunch of, you know, gibberish. Yep. But if yep. it's the same gibberish being repeated to like yeah. 90,000 gold emails, it's easy to spot, right? Yep, exactly. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. So, so getting the data, how did you sort of get the data and like, what was the whole um, strategy look like? How did you segment it? How did you sort of 
filter it? What was the whole data collection process like? So a lot of people get confused. Whenever somebody posts this article in a Facebook group, I always hear comments about, oh, you know, this can't be personalized. It's just straight out spam. <laughs> um, which, of course, cold email, you know, is, is something where you cold email someone. But it's not like, you know, it's, it's we try to be as specific as possible. And um, here's, here's how we do that. The reason why we started with Instagram is that there are a lot of data points that you can get, um, which is certain words in the bio, um, certain category. And we also, there's 28 data points that we have. But other than those, you can f- figure out the gender of the profile. And then what we also do is, um, we haven't launched this, so it's not officially live yet, but we use it. Um, we have an image classifiers built with TensorFlow and OpenCV that kind of looks at the profile's images. Mm-hmm. and then figures out what their interests are. So you can kind of inject that message in. So it's not as personalized as you can get with an outbound email. Because we have the name, where the person is from, what their interests are, what the category of the profile is, some keywords in the bio. Like for example, one day we only uh, email CrossFit people with a specific message, message about CrossFit, uh, stuff like that, right? So. That's what we use to kind of personalize the messaging. And as I mentioned in the beginning, like the way that we get data is that we have thousands and thousands of profiles created on Instagram for a simple reason of um, the data on Instagram is public and those people are agreeing to be contacted. Mm. So even by, by GDPR laws, uh, CCPA, whatever it may be, those persons are opting into communication from other uh, Instagram users. So that's why we kind of decided to go with that. Yeah, the image classification stuff is like next level stuff, man. I mean, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing that at scale. It's for our own internal use, but we're hoping to get that out as quickly as, as possible. Yeah, so uh, so like just paint me a, a, a sort of a more in-depth picture. So what does that email look like? I mean, how long is it? For example, if you're reaching out to the CrossFit person, what does that email look like in a bit more detail? Um, so it's, we tend to be really, uh, I like short emails. I like emails that are straight to the point. Um, so we kind of make it clear. Yes, Less than 50 words or what's the word length? Oh, I don't know the word length. It just looks small. It looks that's, small. That's my, that's my, yeah. It looks small. It is easily readable, right? So for us is, um, the first thing it is make sure that you kind of put the person on, just let them know where and how did you find them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we usually make it clear in the beginning of the email saying like, you know, Hey, we find your, your email on, on Instagram and I can see that you like CrossFit, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then whatever our offer is, um, and the reader will contact that person and then whatever the, the CTA is, right. Whether that's, um, you're looking to give them discounts, you're looking for them to join your community, um, looking for them to check out your website or what, whatever it may be. Uh, but we tend to make it pretty clear and easy to respond. So um, I've done that aimed for, for clicks. Mm. Um, but in my opinion, at least now, especially in times like this, where we see a lot of drop in Facebook ads, Google ads, like the whole thing is not performing as it used to. Mm-hmm. Email is still a great channel for one-on-one communication. And then maybe even not selling to them, right? Like even if it's just inviting them to a Facebook group, community, whatever it may be, get those people to respond, then you can figure out, you know, hey, this is where we stand with the business because that's a data that Facebook and Google 
and all these other ad platforms are not providing you with, right? Like on Facebook, you just see people clicking and then they're not ending up buying. Ask them why. And with an email, you can be really specific about, you know, hey, this is what I'm facing right now as a business. This is what I thought you create fit. But then if you don't want to buy, at least they're going to tell you something. Like, you know, it's not the right time. This is expensive for me. We don't like the designs. Stuff like that, right? Which, which really, really helps you out in terms of guiding your business on the right path with feedback from the customers, which is something that every business wants, right? Yeah, that's a really good point because Facebook ads, you're on Facebook's sort of walled garden. Facebook controls everything, right? Facebook controls yep. how much information flows to you. Versus on email, you're uh, you're one person talking to another person. It's a conversation yep. like the one we're having right now. It's just over text, right? So that's the mental model of um, getting good information out of email. So yeah, I think yeah, that's exactly. a pretty good point. Mm. I think I think we've covered everything, man. I don't have anything left. Yeah, so I think. Oh, that, that's amazing. I think that's it, uh, Nicola. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. And uh, and yeah, keep doing what you're doing. It's really uh, next level stuff. And I hope some of our viewers get some good tips out of this one. Thank you too, man. It was a pleasure talking to you. All right, man. Take care. Yep. Thank you, man.